Welcome to the Cracking the Growth Code podcast. I'm your host, Matt Zembruski, and I'm pleased to have as my guest today, Bill Inman. He's written 67 books, which have been translated into nine languages and sold over a million copies. He was named one of the top 10, one of the 10 most influential thought leaders in the world by Computer World Magazine. And in the world of data and IT, which I come a little bit from, but not a lot from, he is known as the godfather of data warehousing. So he's a celebrity in many circles, and I'm honored to have him as our guest here. He also, from a personal perspective, has two Scotty dogs and a wife in Denver, Colorado. Welcome to the show, Bill. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. Really glad that you're making the time for this because, again, I know you've done um, podcasts before. A lot of times they're on they're focusing on the data elements and on the technology and moving the bits and bytes and uh, and all that around just to keep it very simple for our uh, for our listeners and so forth. Um, this particular um, conversation, I want to go uh, a different track. We have a lot of current and future leaders who follow us and and uh, the questions that they're often concerned about or asking about are about sustainable growth. How do they move a team to high performance? How do they move their career faster because they, they're they um, they're hungry for uh, taking things to the <clears> next <throat> level? So I wanna start just by um, number one, acknowledging your, your uh, expertise uh, in the industry at growing not only technologies, but also I know along the way you've grown a lot of uh, leaders and teams in order to in order to grow uh, the enterprises and um, and including founding companies, being CEO of companies and so forth. So, uh, from a leadership perspective, you know, as a as as a as an, a, a savvy leader, how would you describe from from a CEO's perspective? What do you look for and what do you think about uh, when it comes to the topic of sustainable growth in an organization? Well, Matt, uh, my whole uh, career has been a career of vision. That 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 I, I always started with a vision. Now, let me tell you, uh, from a standpoint of being a visionary person and a vision having visionary companies, that's the most difficult path that you can take. Uh, but it's also, as far as I'm concerned, the most rewarding path you can take. But <clears throat> every company has a vision of one sort or the other. Most companies use the vision of other people. They go bar the vision and improve on it. That's what most companies are 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 doing or have done. Uh, the problem with that approach is <clears throat> there's an end to the vision that that you end up uh, saying, well, uh, we fulfilled the vision. Now what do we do? Uh, the problem with somebody that has a new vision is that it is very difficult to uh, change people's minds and their mindset with the new vision, even when the new vision is, is the right thing to do and the right way to go. So uh, I look at companies uh, from a standpoint of, 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 of vision. Uh, once upon a time, IBM Corporation was a very visionary company. Uh, they started the early notions of database. Uh, they started the early notions of transaction processing. Uh, they saw that transaction processing could do great things uh, uh, in the 
in the world, and and it did. And and believe me, uh, transaction processing uh, changed the world and the relationship of the world to the computer. But then one day, IBM woke up and ran out of vision, and <clears throat> they haven't had a visionary product uh, since uh, the day of transaction databases. Uh, and instead, other companies like Microsoft and Oracle and SAP uh, and other companies ha have, have, have taken the, the vision that IBM started with uh, uh, and have, have uh, taken them and, and made them grow and prosper as well. So when I look at companies, uh, I look at uh, the world of vision. What is the vision of this company? Uh, how far can it take them? Uh, what do they do when the vision runs out and is fulfilled? Uh, that's a little bit about the way I, I think about these things. That makes a lot of sense to start at the vision because it's like my, um, I've talked with different people about how people think about it. And I think about it from that same perspective, like big to small versus small to big. If you start with a big picture, then you know where you're going to go. But like you're saying, if you run out of vision, if you've if you've done this for a number of years or whatever, and the company's delivered on that, how do you create something? So it sounds like the companies that you've created and technologies you've created have been um, uh, more from a creative like blank sheet of paper. Like if we were to do this, let's build it. Is that is that true? That's absolutely the truth. My my first company uh, was one called Prism Solutions, started in California. And I have to tell you, when I uh, started Prism Solutions, uh, I had no idea what it was like to, number one, have a visionary company, and number two, to be uh, the guiding light for the company. I, that was a, a new experience for me, uh, and uh, very exciting, very challenging. Uh, it certainly got me out of my my uh, uh, comfort patterns, uh, 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 but uh, uh, but that's absolutely true. And then then came the uh, the first issue was having the vision. The second issue was building the technology, and then the third vision was selling the vision to the uh, to the world. And because uh, as a visionary. And, and 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 a person that does have vision, people, I'm going to tell you right now, for whatever reason, people are reluctant to uh, uh, adopt a new vision. And, and 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 the hardest part of that was the getting people to change their mind. But my my first vision in life was one of something called data warehouse. And in the early days of data warehouse, Data warehouse met with fierce resistance. People, people hated data warehouse, and uh, 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 but but we kept being persistent. We kept talking. the The thing that allowed us to go from a vision to reality was the fact that uh, data warehouse directly addressed business value that you could show. Uh, this is what we're doing. And this is where the business value is. And once that message of business value got through, then 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 things changed completely. Uh, then all of a sudden, the very people that had been adamantly against what we were doing were suddenly people that were trying to copy and to uh, 
uh, take our ideas and build their own company. And so, uh, so it starts with vision. Uh, uh, and, you know, as another example of a company that once had a vision, it's kind of interesting. Uh, once upon a time in Boston, there was a company called Wang Computers. And Wang Computers uh, had one of the first uh, notions of uh, word processing. Now, once upon a time, everybody sat down with a typewriter. By the way, I challenge you to even find a typewriter nowadays. But uh, once upon a time, business was run with typewriters. And then Wang had the vision of, uh, uh, gee, maybe we could use the computer to uh, improve things. And Wang came out with one of the early versions of a, a word processor. And, and quite frankly, the early versions of the Wang word processor were quite good. I, I, I had a version and I used it all the time. It was good. But then one day, uh, the world uh, adopted uh, uh, word processing and, and Wang ran, ran out of vision. Their vision had been fulfilled. The, mm -hmm. the world did have uh, this, uh, this an innovation they made. And you don't, I, I don't think Wang even exists anymore today. And, and um, that's an, another example of a company uh, reaching the end of its vision. Yeah, that's uh, and that's I I raised my hand when you first said that because uh, I'm familiar with the Wang Building. I was actually near there. I'm in the Boston area. I know you're out in the Denver area. Mm -hmm. The Wang Building is still there in the Boston area, but it's no longer Wang. It's now just the, the company that used to be there, and it's uh, it's it's something else. It's been repurposed. But it's it's very interesting because you you hinted at something at the end of your um, uh, description about the vision running out. You hinted about uh, a lack of innovation, I believe. So can you talk about how innovation um, really was? It seems like it's one of the cornerstones of how your companies began and how sustainable growing companies continue. They keep the innovation in the equation. Well, the way I look at things, which may not be the way the, the world looks at it, but the way I look at it, there's really two kinds of innovation. There's innovation of the vision. And there's innovation of the implementation. And these are very different things. Both of them are innovations, but, uh, uh, but uh, they, they, they're very different from each other. Innovation to a vision means that you take the vision and you improve on the vision. It's still visionary. Innovation to the implementation means that you create a widget or a something uh, that 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 fulfills uh, the 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 vision. So when you talk about innovation, uh, I think at least I try to make the distinction between those kinds of innovation because some some innovations are visionary, some in innovations are implementation, and the implementation visions. Uh, the the implementation uh, 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 innovations quickly quickly reasonably over time run out of gas that you can only innovate technology so far uh, 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 until you uh, until you've done everything that could be done I, uh, as a good example of that is is Microsoft's uh, Microsoft Word 
we've been using, my wife and I, uh, Microsoft Word, golly Moses, for a long time now. And every now and then, they come out with a new version of Microsoft Word. But, but the new versions of Microsoft Word don't do anything. They don't do anything different. They, 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 they just uh, put the buttons to do something in a different place and, and frustrate my wife and myself. And, uh, uh, and, and Microsoft uses this as a, a marketing and sales technique. But in terms of improving the way that we do uh, a word processing on a Microsoft computer, it, it doesn't. Uh, 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 they they're not improving. They're not giving us anything new with word processing that we haven't had before. And that that's what happens when uh, your uh, uh, implementation people start to innovate. And when they start to innovate for the purpose of making sales and marketing, your company's in trouble. Mm-hmm. So do you feel that was in the Microsoft example, is that the is that the running out of the of the the company vision or is that the running out of the implementation vision or the I, I, from, a, from an innovation? Like what would help Microsoft? Is it innovating on their vision and where they want to take word processing or is it innovating on the technology of actually implementing it? Microsoft, once upon a time, had a vision of, of, of improving word processing. They haven't changed or improved that vision, as far as I can tell, in a quarter of a century. And 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 uh, all they do is is change the widgets. Uh, what's the old expression? Rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Right. That, that that that's all that Microsoft is doing. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. It's a great perspective. Uh, having myself grown up in the eighties. Um, I've I've been through the early days of all that and uh, and share a very similar opinion. I want to I want to uh, since you're talking about innovation and uh, related to products and delivery and so forth, I want to shift a little bit and use the term that's familiar in in my circles, uh, agile, and talk mm-hmm. about agile. I'm curious from your perspective, building companies and um, building teams with products and etc. and uh, and getting that out there. Um, what what percentage of the companies that you worked in or built in the last like 10 to 20 years um, were working with agile delivery teams? Was agile uh, something that was part of the framework or or not really from your perspective? Uh, in recent vintage, a lot of them use agile in recent vintage. And, and I have to say, there's no question about the fact that the development process and the work done by technicians needed improvement. There, 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 there's absolutely no question about that. And, and I think that Agile uh, has, has greatly enhanced uh, the way we approach and think about uh, building projects. That's good. That's a, yeah, I was just curious about it because it's, it was so talked about for so long, the, the term Agile and all that stuff, and now it's so accepted that it's just in the frab in the fabric of um of companies now. So let's talk um let's talk about about people. So let's let's go back to when you were uh founding a company, the initial uh hires that you had to make. I'd imagine walk walk us through uh sort of what went through your head as you were bringing on the initial people uh for for one of your companies and uh, well, what you were looking for. 
I, I, I'm going to answer your question, but I, at the end of this, I don't want you to think that I'm a, a terrible person. Because <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm about to say, I'm not a terrible person, but I'm also a realist. The, the things that we look for uh, when we go to, to look for people to join our, our team are, number one, uh, people that are uh, independent thinkers. Number two, that share the vision uh, that we have. Uh, 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 and, and, and have the enthusiasm, uh, and are self-motivators. Those are, those are the things that we, we look for. Having stated that, um, um, uh, when you, it's been my experience to, when you start a new ad- adventure, uh, in company that you're going inevitably, I don't care who you are, make some mistakes in hiring. And, and, and I can tell you this right now. This is where you make me think of, think of me as a terrible person. The sooner you depart from a person that, uh, uh, is not a good fit for what they do, the better off you are. One of the worst things you can do is try to remold a person. A person either fits or they don't fit. And if they don't fit, they're likely to never fit. And trying to keep them in their job and get them to perform and do what they need to do and ought to do is uh, is a mistake. Uh, it's it's much better to simply part ways in a friendly fashion, in a civilized fashion as you can, uh, but nevertheless uh, 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 keeping dead wood in a new venture. Now, this is I'm sure this is true for larger companies as well. And and I'm sure this is true for larger companies. I, I, I've worked my last 30 or 40 years in smaller companies. But on a, in a startup environment, uh, uh, keeping dead wood in a startup environment is simply poisonous. And I have to say that a lot of the people that uh, I've had to depart with uh, have been good people. I, I, I like them as as individuals. They were friends of mine. But 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 they weren't doing the enterprise any in any good. So um, uh, the people that we have in my current company, I like to use the expression the the Marines use: a few good men and women. And 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 we're we're not looking for an army of people. Uh, we're looking for the right people. And so um, so anyway, uh, uh, I guess that makes me a hard boss to work for. Uh, but but uh, uh, I guess that makes me a hard boss to work for. Uh, but but that's the way it is. No, it's a fantastic answer, Bill. I don't think that's a hard boss at all. It's just someone who is committed to the vision of the company and wants to make sure there's a right fit, like you're saying, a right cultural fit. And I, yeah, go ahead. I I, I I in my very first company, uh, uh, Prism Solutions, I saw what happened when you tried to take somebody that wasn't a good fit and remold them. That doesn't work. And, and, and so uh, uh, ever since then, when I've had a venture startup uh, uh, and, and it, now you have to give the person a chance to prove themselves. You have to find out whether they really do or do not fit. So, uh, 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 you, you know, you have to do that. But once you've given them the chance of them not, fitting and they don't fit then 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 as soon and i tell you it's good for them as well because they're not in the long run going to be happy or successful 
uh, in your company if they're not a good fit. So let's lean into that a little bit. I, I agree with I agree with exactly what you said, and uh, I've worked with other startup um, uh, co-founders, and and they've had similar perspectives. So you're not the only uh, tough boss out there. I think I I, I respect the in, the integrity and the passion that you have uh, for delivering that. I'm curious from a um, if you go back and look at that in hindsight, was there anything you could have done differently? Like, is there a way to figure out if someone's not the best fit before they come into the culture? Uh, I, I know that's a $64,000 question, but what are your thoughts on that? Matt, if I had an answer for you, I'd give it to you. The, the, the best I can tell you is it's a crapshoot that, that uh, uh, you, you do your best to interview the person. You one technique that we've used that's worked out well for us is instead of bringing people on, we use them as a consultant for uh, a six six month period and then decide whether we want to bring them on or not. You can't do that in every case, but in the cases that you can do that, that's a good technique. But at the at the end of the day, it's a crapshoot. Some people work out and some people don't. Yeah, that's um, that's that's uh, yeah. It's in. I was just. I, I wanted to ask the question. I know there's never an easy answer to it, but yeah, and that's where the probationary period I think came up. Both my parents were human resources their whole careers, so uh, I sort of brought. I was sort of brought up with this language, but uh, I think there used to be a probationary period of like 90 days, and that was sort of the acceptable thing. You come in as a contractor for 90 days, and then if that works out, you become the employee, or maybe you're an employee right up front. But it's a probationary uh, period. So consulting for six months. That's a great. Uh, that's a great way to go if you can. If you can, and there sometimes you can do that. Sometimes you can't. That makes sense. So I know. I know we're gonna, coming up on time. I want to wind it down, but I want to ask uh, a question. I know there's a lot of your in your in your head and from your experience. If you were to if you were to boil down for other leaders out there today, they could be a junior leader who's just getting in the game, um, or they could be like yourself, someone who's an experienced company. Uh, founder, uh, senior executive. Um, what's what are your top three tips to best lead your company? You know, through through growth and through new people. You know, in all the different economies that we have to face through here as we go. What are your top three tips for leaders? Well, uh, my my top tip for a leader is is don't be afraid of making mistakes. The only people that don't make mistakes. Are the people that never do anything, and 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 uh, now now don't be proud of your mistakes. Learn from your mistakes, uh, but 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 if you get paralyzed about making mistakes, you're not ever ever going to go anywhere. Um, a second thing that that that, and this is kind of a personal thing, is in terms of leadership. Uh, I I try to do a lot publicly. Articles, books, speeches, seminars, webinars. I that consumes about eighty percent of my time in my life, and uh, 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 and and the thing about those activities are it's a lot of work to to write an article, a lot of work to write a book, uh, uh, a lot of work to do a good presentation. But but you you tend to attract uh, other people that have the same mindset. And so uh, 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 being able to uh, get to know those people and hear their ideas uh, uh, is wonderful. So going out in the public 
and exposing yourself and pe- people for whatever reason uh, uh, are, are bashful. They don't like to expose themselves in public, and 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 that's 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 too bad because uh, that's one role of leadership that you should take. So uh, taking chances, not being afraid to fail, um, uh, going out in the public, finding other people. I'll tell you another thing. I learn a lot from other people. I, I uh, 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 when I go at, at the conferences and speak, uh, I always make sure there's time for people to ask questions because I learn my learning experience is from their questions. Uh, uh, so those are those are some of the ways that that I, I have adopted uh, that approach. That's fantastic, Bill. Those are great. And that's why continuous improvement is something, no matter what you call it, uh, is always going to be around. And I love what you said about attracting like-minded people. And that's worth the effort of going the extra mile to do the, come out of your comfort zone and write the book, go to the conference, do the presentation, all these things that um, are often, well, extra work and out of your comfort zone. But I like how you say that it attracts like-minded people because that's really important. At the end of the day, we bring these like-minded high performers together and we can grow companies faster. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time and your energy uh, and and all your insights, Bill. Really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, hopefully our, 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 our leaders listening to this are getting just as much out of it as I, uh, as I have. So thank you thank, very much. Thank you, Matt. Have a good day. 